Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. My name is Dan Demite, and I'm joined here in the Damascus studio with my good friend and brother in Christ, Aaron Richards. Hey, How everybody. Are you, Aaron? Dan, it is great to have you back on the show today. Yes, it is exciting to be back. God is incredible. We have an amazing show today. We want to talk about how we can hear God's voice and uh, that we are called as his children to listen for him speaking to us. And so I'm super excited for today's show. It's going to be fire. If you are ready for a deeper revelation in your prayer life and a deeper intimacy with God every day that you live Today's show is for and a, you. And a great time with an amazing guest today. Oh, yes. We have an incredible guest. We won't uh, introduce her yet. It'll be a surprise. Let's begin in prayer in the yep. name of the Father and the Son and, and the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you have spoken in our lives. Thanks for bringing us to this place that we could even um, be in relationship with you, that we could be invited to engage with you through this radio show today. God, thank you for every way that you work in our lives. We pray more and more that we would have access to you, that we'd have access to your heart, that everything we do would uh, minister out of that place of knowledge, that place of love, that place of um, intimacy, God, with you. Thank you for being the one uh, who has made us in your image, God, for being the one who's the, the source and the summit of our life. Lead us back to your heart. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Aaron, today we're talking about hearing God's voice. Maybe you could share about just the absolutely. Truth you that know, we have access to God's voice. It's. It, I, I always like to start. I like to say that that um, that grace builds on nature, right? And one of the one of the key fundamental teachings from the theology of the body, John Paul John Paul II spoke about. Um, it, it, it's no it's no news to us that we're created in the image and likeness of God. What does it mean that we're created in the image and likeness of God? Well, when I create something, uh, every, every act of creation, it reveals something about its creator, right? Mm-hmm. It, we're created in the image and likeness of God, and we have ears and <laughs> eyes and mouths and yes. noses, right? We, we, we're, we're built with the ability to communicate Mm-hmm. And um, that means that in some way that God has the ability to, like the ability to communicate is something that's important enough to God that when he created us in his image, that it was a defining feature on our face, right? <laughs> Multiple defining and, features. And, and even when we, you know, when we look to the, the incarnation that Jesus himself, when he, when he takes on human flesh, that 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 Jesus himself he he spoke he communicated in the same way scripture speaks of the fact that that Jesus knows his father's will mm-hmm. right Jesus knew his father's will with a human mind yeah so so how how is it that those conversations happened well they happened in the same way that we have the capability of having those conversations they happened through his you know through his ears through his eyes through his mouth through his imagination mm. and um being made in the image and likeness of God man we have we have access to that. Jesus, Jesus says one of my one of my favorite fundamental um, scripture uh, verses is in John chapter five verses verse nineteen that the Son of Man can do nothing on his own but only what he sees the Father doing. That Jesus Himself identified that His entire ministry was dependent on the fact that He could hear the voice of God, that He could see the face of God. Yeah, and 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 we're we're nothing without Him, right? Mm-hmm. 
You know, what's funny is I think a lot of times we assume like you, you, you gave such a, you took us back to the beginning, right? That when we were made in the image and likeness of God and in the garden, it was so natural that God yeah. was conversing with man and man was conversing with God. It was a conversation. It was natural. It was normal. And then you see throughout salvation history, same thing, just the natural conversations of the prophets with God is just God speaks, they, and they share God's word with others. And it's just this natural. And then you see in the life of Jesus, only once does do the gospels specify that the heavens were ripped open and the voice of the father spoke in, in an audible voice from the heavens, which was at Jesus's baptism when he declared so that all could hear at the same time, the one word of God, that this is my my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. But every other time that God is speaking, Jesus is um, speaking with the Father. It's just this internal, internal relationship. Internal yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's so funny. We, you know, this has kind of become one of the, one of the charges that, that here at Damascus, through our, through our retreats, through our conferences, through our, through our summer camps that we believe, I believe God has really placed on our hearts to, to, to bring this teaching, to bring this, reality back to the forefront. Why? Because, because we need God's voice of truth now more than ever. Yeah. Um, we, we need, we need the voice of truth to actually lead us and guide us to be that rudder, to be that wind behind our sails and in, in, in a culture that that's, that's very, it's, it's, it's very challenging, right? Yeah. And, and, and we hear, we hear lies. We're constantly being inundated with, um, just with negativity and criticism and, um, and judgmental attitudes and comments, right? We're not going to, we don't, we don't need to go into, into criticism about, about our media culture, but, but the reality is we, we need the, the truth now more than ever. Yeah. And hearing God in prayer has been something that God has really placed on our heart to make sure that we start teaching to young people. So Damascus, um, Damascus is our ministry apostolate where we run camps and retreats and conferences for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And we have thousands of young people coming to campus year after year. And one of the core things that God has um, spoken to us that he is calling us to share with this the young churches yeah. how to have access to his voice in prayer. And it's so amazing because I think one of the reasons we have such a passion for this is looking back at our own lives, Aaron, Like it's like, how did we get through... 12 years of Catholic education and yet not really know that we had access to the Father's voice in a way. Like, it was as if we were saying our prayers and we were communicating to God, um, but it was like a one-way communication where yeah. I'm speaking to God, I'm interceding, I'm giving Him my petitions, I'm giving Him prayers of thanksgiving, I'm saying my my Our Fathers, my Hail Marys, but there wasn't the contemplative side, the the receiving and the listening side. Yeah. And, and that, if there was that teaching, it wasn't something that ever took root and yeah. we believed. And so we started just with great faith, believing that young people had access to the Father and started to share with them tools and ways to hear the Father's voice in prayer. And we started to see just incredible breakthrough where young people would would have uh, ask the Lord questions and they would hear him respond and they would begin to weep and like just watching young people cry and, and, and hear God speak to them for the first time Experience. or... Fantastic conversion. Yeah. Right? Amazing conversion where their hearts are transformed, renewed. And, you know, we, after a lot of our camps and retreats, we we do like student evaluations and uh, uh, we love to ask, like, how did you encounter the Lord? And it's amazing how like 
evaluation after evaluation after evaluation. It's, this was the first time I ever heard God speak to me in prayer. It was the first time I ever heard. And, and, yeah. and like over and over again that I heard him speak to me. And when you hear someone speak to you, that's when a relationship begins, right? Yeah. I can know about someone, but if I'm not having a conversation with them until I start speaking with them, both hearing and rece- like receiving and, and giving, I don't actually have a relationship. And yeah. that's where a relationship with God really starts is yeah. through conversation with him. And there's a, I think there's a lot of skepticism too, right? Why, why are we hosting a show on this today? Well, it, it's because um, it, this, in order to... This is this is a simple and fundamental reality of our Christian identity, mm-hmm. but because it's not, um, because it hasn't been for long, for a long time, kind of part of our common conversation. I think it's it's met with some some skepticism and some fear. Yeah, that hey, when when you open like when you open the door to supernatural conversation, like evil things <laughs> will creep in. That's just that's just not that's yeah. not the consistent story that we hear through scripture. Yeah, when we first started doing this with kids a lot of times and and really trying to build their faith that they could hear God's voice, there was this concern that some people from outside of our ministry were expressing of like, "Oh my gosh, well how do they know it's God's voice and not the devil's voice?" And it's like, "Well, they're totally different, right?" Like yeah. I hear God say I love you. You are my well-beloved son with whom I well pleased. I don't hear the devil say that, you yeah. know, like I hear God say, forgive this person. I yeah. don't hear the devil say that. Like there's, there's a way to kind of know and evaluate very easily yeah. whether or not this is true. Is it consistent with scripture? Is it consistent with the church teaching? Is it, does it, does it, is it consistent with my own soul and my own discernment? Do I feel good about this yeah. word or am I scared by and, this and word? And revealed understanding of the character of God. And, and the cool thing is, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, there may be some, some bumps along the road as, as we get started in, in communicating with the Lord in prayer and hearing God in scripture, like, right. And, yeah. and establishing some maturity in, in a, a method or a, or a, a mode of prayer and communication. But ultimately like this, this is something that gets easier as you grow closer mm-hmm. that, uh, I, I was reflecting with you, Dan, before the show that when I like, w- when I pick up the phone and talk to my wife. Um, I don't have to question her motivations. I don't have to question the reality. I don't have to question whether is someone impersonating Monica right yeah. now, right? <laughs> is because this actually her. Because because the 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 moment that I begin to hear her speak, I begin to know through the way she speaks, through the tone she uses, through the through the intimacy and communication that we have, that this is affirmative of the of the 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 way that the way that we relate to one another. Yeah. Right? And and so too our times in prayer that actually diving in with intention and in, in saying, God, this might be hard. Um, this might be something new that I have to learn, but I'm going to give all of my strongest effort to seeking you every day. What, what, what may be a struggle in the, in the first, you know, I, I'm, I'm reflecting like a, you know, as sometimes you watch the awkwardness of, of two young people learning how to date for the first time, <laughs> right? We see uh-huh. that, we see that happen on our campus frequently. Um, but what what begins as as awkwardness ends uh, you know 50 years 75 years later in a beautiful marriage mm. as we we can read each other's thoughts right yeah. we can finish each other's sentences mm. and and that's that's the invitation that we have that's that's, that's, that's the promise that, that that's God has that's such a for good us. analogy it's so rich so just like when you pick up the phone and you can hear and know what someone's voice sounds like. That's what God wants for your relationship with him. This is the good news of the gospel. This is great news that God, you have access to God and you don't have to Mm. feel like there's something wrong with you where you don't have access to his voice. It's normal 
Christianity. It should be fundamental to what we believe as Christians that I can hear God's voice as his son and daughter. Why? Because what kind of father doesn't speak to their children? A not very good father. And and we have a great father who wants to speak to his children. And and good dads don't hide their voice. They don't hide their affirmation. They don't hide their guidance. They don't hide their instruction from their children. They spend quality time with their kids, speaking to them, instructing them, and teaching them how to live life well. Amen. Amen. Well, let's take let's take a quick break. Uh we we've got an amazing guest who's going to be joining us. Dan, should we should we reveal reveal the secret identity of our No, guest no, today? let's wait. Let's wait. So gotta, you'll stick to it. We got an amazing guest who's joining us after this break and then at the close of today's show, we're going to dive into some practicals on how how we can build a lifestyle centered around hearing God and and just being in communication with the with the love of our heart. Yes, yeah, so exciting. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We will be right back. He was a scholar, a preacher, a Capuchin Franciscan, and a defender of Christendom. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Lawrence of Brindisi was one of the most respected preachers in the 17th century, but he also helped raise an army against the Ottoman Turks when they invaded Hungary in 1601. He led the troops to victory against the Turks, carrying only a crucifix. He was declared a Doctor of the Church in 1959. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. The best way we can pray is to be still before God. You know, the catechism says, why did God make me? God made me to know him, love him, and serve him. And then Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. So the most important part of prayer is listening. So you say your prayers, but make sure every day you give at least a few seconds of listening so God can tell you what he wants of you. And your life will be changed forever. Hello and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Aaron, I am so excited uh, for the guests that we have on the show today because we are welcoming kind of a Catholic radio legend uh, onto (laughs) our show. And she's going to be talking about one of our favorite topics here at Damascus, listening for God. And so let's welcome on Teresa Tamio. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you hey, for I've joining us I've never been called a legend before. You, That's pretty cool. I, it could be that I'm really old. <laughs> yeah, you know, it could be. <laughs> That's amazing. No, Maybe Teresa. a little of both. I don't know. <laughs> you've, you've done so much uh, for the Catholic world, for the radio world, and for the just the, the church. And so we're so grateful for your service, your many years of um, just prophetic speaking. You've been uh, fearless to, to say the truth and to preach the truth when necessary. Um, and uh, the, that, that responsibility is not easy, but it's critical in the church today. So thank you for that. Thank you. I'm just grateful for opportunities like this and for opportunities, as you said, in our, in our prayer before we, we started talking you know, on air, how important it is to have the ability to be able to preach the gospel uh, out there on the airways. So, so important. Yeah, we're so, Amen. we're so blessed. And, you know, I, I, before we jump into the topic of listening for God and, and all of that, Teresa, I wonder if maybe you could share, like, in the, the times that we live today, what's the most pressing thing on your heart? What is, what's the, the word the Lord's speaking to you that we need to, like, uh, the church needs to be aware of? 
Uh, two words come to mind, uh, truth and courage. And we have to, we, we, we know that we have the fullness of truth and that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and everything comes through him, as it says uh, in, in the Gospel of St. John, that beautiful first chapter. But also truth um, and the courage to speak it. We have to be willing to, to speak it in and out of season and to make sure that we're speaking it in a way that which people can understand, in a loving mm. way, not denying the reality of, of sin and the problems, but to make pe- sure people know that there's a loving God who wants the best for him. So I think speaking the truth and having the courage to do so in an effective and loving way. Mm. Praise the Lord. I love that. You know, the uh, if, if anyone heard that just now and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for these times and I'm scared and I'm nervous and I don't think I can do the truth and I don't think I have the courage. Uh, I just want to affirm that you have everything you need by right of your baptism, um, because when you were baptized, you were anointed a priest, prophet, and king. And part of that anointing you received as a Christian is that the prophetic anointing that allows you to hear the voice of God, to hear truth, and then it gives you the courage to preach that truth, that a prophet hears God's word and then speaks God's word. And so simply because we we were baptized, we're equipped, which is really exciting. Um, mm. And that's kind of uh, the heart of what we want to talk about today, that we have access to the Father's voice. Um, I think that's that's great. Now, I think the other thing that people tend to do, we, we tend to put God and ourselves in a box, and we tend to limit sometimes thinking that what sharing the gospel has to be maybe doing something like this on the radio or preaching from a pulpit uh, or, you know, having some sort of an official quote-unquote ministry. That may be the case, and if that's what you're called to do, great, but we all have, as you said, by virtue of our baptism uh, and our confirmation, we have the gifts, and we're all called to do it in whatever way God calls us to. And, And usually, I think, for most of us, in addition to, let's say, if we have a ministry, I think one of the best ways to reach people, which is why I love this book so much, Listening for God, is just to tell stories. How has God affected you? What's going on in your life? What has happened to you that caught your attention? And how has Jesus made a difference? And so you tell stories that help people understand the beauty of who God is and what he can do and wants to do for us. So it, when we when we talk about evangelizing, I think sometimes as Catholics we freak out and we think that means that we have to get a theology degree and do it a certain way. God will use us in circumstances, and this is why I think this book will be so helpful, where things happened on a plane with a conversation or things happened to someone when they bumped into someone at, at the car wash or, you know, at the bookstore, where it was really what I call a godsidence, and God allowed, uh, they allowed God to work through him. So just be open and look for opportunities to share your story. You don't have to tell your whole life story, but share your story. Invite someone to Mass. Do those little things because people are hungry. That's they a, are so that's a hungry good word. for God. You know, uh, one yeah. of the one of the things that I like to say here at Damascus, I'm sure I'm uh, I'm not the one who coined the term is grace builds on nature. I feel like every time I speak, that's kind of the the message that I that I that I root myself in and it's so funny we 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 kind of as as Christians today as Catholics, we don't necessarily give ourselves that latitude whereas when we look at the lives of the saints, we'll look back at the lives of the saints and we'll identify all of the seemingly normal things that they did from day to day that brought about amazing encounters with God. And we'll identify those things as just this rock solid evidence of God's divine providence and presence in their lives. Yet at the same time, in our own lives, we, we tend to just overlook and ignore those very same things <laughs> yeah. or those, those very same types of experiences. God would never do that in my life. I can't. <laughs> so I, I, I also love the, I like to say that you can't argue with 
uh, a testimony, right? Like, so Teresa, you're talking about sharing your testimony and what you're experiencing. And my favorite thing at college, I used to try to like convince people that God was real by using like Thomas Aquinas' proofs for the existence of God. And imagine having a college conversation with trying to use a proof for the existence of God. It never really went all that well. And then I just (laughs) shifted my technique to like saying, well, I believe God's real because I encountered him and he spoke to me and he transformed my entire life. And the person would be like, uh, like you can't, you can't come back with the rebuttal to the fact that I know God is real because I've encountered him. And, and then you share your personal experiences and mm-hmm. the person is more apt their, their guard goes down their, mm-hmm. their, um, their defense system softens and they listen and it, it becomes a human conversation as opposed to an intellectual debate. Which right, is really and I love exciting. that verse in Romans where St. Paul, you know, ten seventeen, faith comes through hearing, and, mm-hmm. and, and this is what we're talking about this morning, hearing. How do they hear about God, and, and, and what, is, what is that message? What does it sound like? What does it look like? It's different for everybody, and, and you know, people are going to have different ways of telling their story, and that's fine. There's, there's not one particular way. Maybe through an email, you know, maybe through a card that you send someone at just the right time, and maybe through a conversation in the grocery store. Mm. You know, God is, is God. And and he's the alpha and the omega, and he can use you if you just open yourself up and listen to him. Yeah, that's amazing. <clears throat> so we're going to be talking about your book, Listening for God, Discovering the Incredible Ways God Speaks to Us, which is awesome. Um, but before that, I want to, could you share maybe how you first heard God calling you, like your own testimony, when, when God first started to nudge on your heart that like, hey, I'm calling you for a mission. Um, what was that encounter like? It was actually pretty scary uh, in the <laughs> sense of not that God came down and, you know, um, with some bolt of lightning, although I could have used it because I was such a thick, you know, stubborn, thick-headed, stubborn Italian. It took me a couple of years. To, <laughs> now, how old were you, do you, would you say you were? Um, when I came started, started um, my first inkling that I needed to get back in the church because I was away from the church for about 22 years, I was uh, about, mm, I'm 61, so that was uh, probably when I was in my mid-30s. And I was at That's the height amazing. of my um, secular media career. I, yeah. I've been a big anchor woman, uh, big reporter in Detroit, award-winning, traveled all over the country, uh, covering big major stories, Oklahoma City bombing, John Paul II's visit to New York, Promise Keepers conventions, all kinds of stuff. Um, was all over doing all kinds of things, and I had amassed um, a great deal of success. My husband um, was also very successful, and um, was he's just retired, but he was the vice president of a large architectural engineering firm for many years. Both Catholic, both raised in, in good Catholic homes, but I would say that we did not have an understanding. We had a basic general understanding of the faith, but we did not really have an understanding of that, what it meant to really know Jesus in that personal way. I will say, though, that I did have a, a really good appreciation, a heart, a heart knowledge, not a head knowledge, which kept me Catholic, even though I, I fell away for many years, of Jesus in the Eucharist. And I loved the Mass, and as a little girl, I loved the saints, especially my patron saint, St. Teresa of Avila, although even at the time I only knew a little bit about her. But there was this this beauty in the faith that even as a child I, I, I recognized, and I had a profound experience when I made my first Holy Communion, and that really is what um, started me on the road back. And and what I mean by that is, is just two big. Let me have two big God moments here because I, you know it's a long story and we only have so much time, yeah. so I don't want to give you too many details. But bottom line is, I, I you know was raised in this Catholic home. I did love the Lord, fell in love with Him when I made my Holy Communion. But my my gifts for gab and communications are recognized at a very early age, as early as a third grade, when the nuns mm. didn't know what the heck to do with me because I was just <laughs> nonstop talking. Yeah, so they typical. put me on stage for little productions, the Christmas play, this play, that play. They had me reading out loud. And by the time I was in the fifth grade, I knew I was going to go into 
communications, and I was already looking at high schools and colleges. That's how type A determined I was. And so even though I had that love for the Lord, I was being pulled in that time in the early 70s, you know, when they're looking at more women coming into the news business, I was being pulled away and really concentrating on my career. So by the time I got to college, by the end of my first semester when I was enrolled in journalism school, I only went to Mass when I came home. It wasn't that I looked at the church and said, oh, it's not, you know, it, it's, it's, it's too oppressive, it's too this. I just, I just fell away because mm-hmm. the world got a hold of me. And that, that continued um, through college. I was never going to get married until, you know, a week after graduation. I should have realized that God was in charge and not me. <laughs> I was introduced to my husband through my brother-in-law. They worked together at the same firm. And I took one look at him and said, uh-oh. I'm in trouble. And six months later, we were engaged. Um, (laughs) But we had a big Catholic wedding, Italian Catholic wedding. And when we were first married, you know, went to Mass semi-regularly, but God was not a part of our lives. Let's be honest. We didn't have a relationship, even though we got married in the Catholic Church. We had a relationship with Him. We didn't know what that, that concept meant. So within seven years, because of the whirlwind of successes we were having, not that success is bad, but it controlled us, and our desire for things controlled us and success controlled us, within seven years, we started to have um, a major crisis in our marriage to the point where we were very close to, to separating. And out of the blue, um, we get an invitation to a Detroit Pistons basketball game from my boss at the time, who was married to an evangelical Christian who also worked in the secular media. And at that basketball game, we were at front seats of the Palace of Auburn Hills, where the, where the Pistons used to play. <laughs> nice. Our friend Gene uh, noticed in my husband something. I'm sure the Holy Spirit was speaking to him, uh, that he sensed that there was something wrong, and he invited Dominic to a men's Bible study. Now, my husband's an engineer, okay? He is uh, so analytical. He always says he has a paralysis of overanalysis, and <laughs> he will say, I'll think about it. I'll think about it some more, then I'll get back to you and think about it some more. Well, he answered yes e immediately to the point where hmm. he wanted to look around and see who answered the question <laughs> that he would attend the Bible study because he didn't that's not him. He was you know and he we hadn't studied the Bible. We had a Bible we got as a wedding gift and I think that's the one he brought to the initial study, one of those big ones, you know, because of the <laughs> Bible we had. Yeah. But so, he uh, went into that Bible study and they were studying at the time Exodus and Deuteronomy Deuteronomy and when he noticed as a child growing up in the church as an altar boy he recognized the Catholic Church in the Bible. Who knew, right? Mm. So he's seeing all the references to the vestments and the altar and the sacrifice, and he's like, oh my gosh, this is actually a precursor to the Catholic Church. That lit a fire in him, and he started taking classes at Sacred Heart Major Seminary. By the way, I I think you know he's a deacon now in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. He's been a deacon now for almost nine years. But that started this fire in him about the faith, and he started working on me and saying, we've got to get back into Mass, we have to have a relationship with the Lord. And I didn't want any part of it. I was really struggling what to do about our relationship and whatnot. But then what happened was I was fired overnight from my big TV job because they were changing, the ratings were down, and they let about five or six of us go. So for six months, I was unemployed, and I was devastated because I was so into myself and my career, ignoring my marriage, ignoring my responsibilities. I didn't think I would ever get fired, even though it happens all the time. And I was forced to look at myself in the mirror, and I really didn't like what I saw. And so finally... One day out of the blue, out of desperation, I looked at the crucifix hanging in our bedroom, and I said, okay, if you're the Lord I met when I um, made my first Holy Communion, please give me direction, because I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And so pretty quickly, the Lord answered me and put me back on a TV station, a bigger station in Detroit. And at the same time, I realized that we needed to work on a marriage. We went to Retrovide, then went to a marriage encounter, and had some counseling, and started to heal. 
So I get back, long story short, I get back on the air at, at this big, big, big affiliate, you know, more success and everything. And I'm thinking I'm going to convert everybody in the newsroom on this on fire, you know, revert. And I'm going to make everybody Catholic. This is going to be great. I'm going to die doing a live <laughs> shot somewhere. And this is what I'm supposed to do. Naturally. But, but that's when, the, when God started really showing me and speaking to me about the problems in the media. I started to notice once I started to get closer to God and listen to God, he started to show me things about the media, the bias and sensationalism. And guys, this was back in the 90s, and this is 2021. Back before it was a real deal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was bad then. It's 100 times worse now. And I was feeling so uncomfortable in this industry. That's all I had ever done. I've been on the radio since I was 14. I worked at the high school radio station, only broadcast for about a block, but I was still on the air um, when I was 14 years old because I wanted to be you know, a broadcast journalist. And so I'm thinking, what in the world am I going to do? I, Lord, why are you showing this, me this now? And when I was whining one night as I was making dinner, I really felt him say to me in the heart of hearts, I can't use you in the secular media anymore. I heard those exact words. Wow. I cannot use you in the secular media anymore. So from that point on, he slowly started to show me what he was going to do, but it was little by little. And I had to actually quit and leave in order to see the big picture because I was fighting it. He was telling me, this is why you're uncomfortable because what, how you're trained and what you need to do, you can't be used here. I can't use you. And so I finally had to come to that realization, which by the way, took me three years. I was not willing. I did not submit, not right away. I kept trying to make excuses. Well, maybe I can go back in radio. So I went back into radio, left TV, went back into radio and I was a news director still making a lot of money, but I felt, oh, this will be fine because I won't have to worry about you know, them having as much control. But the same thing was happening in that business, sensationalism, you know, over-sexualized content. And then in 2000, I finally said, uncle, and I walked away. And at that point, gradually, he started to show me his plan for me bit by bit. But again, I understand where people are coming from, where it's tough. When, when God is telling you something that doesn't make sense at the time, it's not easy. And at that point, I was back in the church. It wasn't like I was still this, this you know, fallen away Catholic. I was going to Mass regularly. We were in Bible study as a couple. We had healed our marriage. And I was still like, this can't be. This can't be. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. For three years, I fought God. And then I'm like, you know, St. Augustine. Okay, I submit, finally, you know. That's amazing. So that's it in a nutshell. And yeah. then the rest is history, as they say. I, I love how you speak so confidently that you know that God was speaking to you. I, I wonder, how mm-hmm. could you share with the listeners the... The confidence that you had, like how did how did you know it was God speaking um, as opposed to your imagination? <laughs> well, because when when God speaks, it's often not what we expect or want to hear. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> because he, he the the, you know, the what does it say? I think in in Hosea and also elsewhere in the Old Testament, you will seek me when you find you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, what that means is when you're seeking God. Um, yes, he will answer our prayers, but it's not always going to be in the way that we expect or want, but it is going to be what's best for us. So I was crying out to God, and it was immediate response that I felt in my heart. I, I heard this, um, it was the ear of the heart, as we know St. Benedict teaches us. It was, it was almost audible. I can't use you in the secular media anymore. Those words were so clear. And it was jolting because it was the opposite of what I expected. And it was, I I was trying to get an answer, but it's not the answer I heard. I wanted to hear, I wanted him to say, it's going to be okay. It'll settle down. Something like that. Trust me, blah, blah, blah. Something really nice (laughs) Uh and soft, but it was, no, I I can't use you anymore. So when you, when you have that feeling and, and, and there's this feeling that comes over you, for me, I, I have the gift of tears. Um, 
thanks be to God, I thought for years it was, you know, permanent PMS because I am very emotional <laughs> and everything else. But, um, you know, I, I, I know that when God is speaking to me, that my eyes start to, to water and that mm. that's what happens to me. But I also can just feel it. There's just a gut feeling that this is something that's not of my own imagination. Also, because again, it wasn't what I was expecting to hear. Yeah. And God is going to take you in places that you may not expect, but it's always going to be best for you. He's never going to lead you to something that's going to hurt you because Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which is my husband's favorite verse, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans that to harm you, you know, plans to give you hope in a future. But it's a, maybe a different future than what you want at the time. But if you're open to what God has to offer, it's the best future. And I think I knew it was God, too, because there were so many things that had happened to us before. Uh, the Bible invitation to my husband, uh, the people that came into our lives out of the blue to help us in our journey, both Protestant and Catholic, so many things that were really inexplic- inexplicable. And you look back at the time, and even like the miraculous invitation to that Bible study, we were the last ones invited to that Pistons basketball game. Everybody somehow all the other couples they invited has, had something to do on that very day. And this was a championship basketball game when the Pistons were winning back in the, uh, in the 90s. They were winning the NBA championships. They won like, I don't know, two or three in a row. And so for people not to be available to have front row seats at a championship <laughs> nationally televised basketball game, I mean, how could God orchestrate it? Or who else could orchestrate it but God mm. that all these people would not be available to go to this huge game? I love that. I love that. I think yeah. a lot of times, as, as you were saying earlier this show, just the world needs truth right now. A lot of times when God is speaking, you're like, wow, that that's just true. Like the, 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 it, he says something and you're like, okay, this resonates because it's authentic and it's true. Right. And it's, and it's right. as you said, it may be unexpected, but you're like, wow, this is, this is right. And um, so the, we hear truth from him. And so why don't, maybe you could share a little bit about how 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 do you how could you help us learn how to listen for God more? Right. Well, too, just just getting back to that, I, I think the point you made about the the authentic truth, and in a way, God was directly answering the truth that I was feeling because I, I when I was in the media um, toward the end, and I felt like I said I felt like a fish out of water. I was fighting that. I, I wasn't willing to look at okay, well, why am I feeling this way? I was suppressing that feeling. I was saying, well, you know, it's probably was just a bad day or, you know, but deep down I was like, this is not what I had intended my life as a journalist to be because I was noticing all the sensationalism, the bias, especially um, toward uh, conservatives and the pro-life movement toward marriage, which was just starting back then, this push against, you know, marriage between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. And also in terms of the sensationalism, I was being forced to cover nothing but, um, you know, fires and murders, and that's not what I was trained for as a reporter. So in my heart, I was very upset saying, why did you put me back on this big station? And then why am I so miserable? So God answered me, well, you're miserable because you're not being used. I can't use you there. You're not doing anything but chasing ambulances. Uh, More or less, that's what he was saying to me. And it was a truth that resonated because it addressed my feelings. It's not what I wanted to hear, Mm -hmm. but it was it was truth. So I, I say the three S's, and I got this idea from um, a lovely lady who just interviewed me on, on her podcast, and she said, oh, you're talking about the three S's, and that would be submission, scripture, and silence. So first of all, submission. I, I have to submit every day. I think we all do. But that first submission that I made, the big one, after making my, my Holy Communion, because I did, I just, I fell in love with Jesus at my Holy Communion, as I mentioned, was when, you know, all heck was breaking loose in my life, where I just, you know, threw up my hands and looked at that crucifix and said, okay, uncle, if you're the same Jesus I met, 
when you know I made my Holy Communion come back into my life. So submission to God. Yeah. I say it every day, here I am, Lord, I have come to do your will. Please let me submit, let me turn everything over to you. So submission. Submission is a four-letter word in our culture, because submission sounds like slavery, sounds like oppression. But to whom are we submitting? We're submitting to Jesus. We're submitting to the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who loves us so much that he died on the cross for us. So it's not like you're submitting to some tyrannical ruler who wants to squash all your fun, okay? (laughs) So submission, number two, Scripture. I am so big on Scripture because Deacon Dom and I came back to the Catholic faith in a non-denominational Bible study. And Jesus and the saints and all of the sacraments were, were shown to us in those words, to the point now where, where we are very involved uh, in Scripture. We do it every day together as a couple. We try to encourage, I try to encourage people on the air all the time, and there's tons of Scripture in every book that I write. So submission, being in the Word of God, and then silence, which for me is not easy, because <laughs> in addition to being a media person, I talk a lot, as you might have already mm. gathered by this conversation. So to be no able to silence No one's ever accused ourselves, you of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Come to my house once in a while. I'm near my husband at night. Honey, uh, it's midnight. Dial down. Take a breath. We can talk more tomorrow morning. But no, the silence in terms of, you know, sitting before the Lord with your Magnificat, with your Word among us, going to adoration more if possible, just having quiet time with God so he can speak to you. So submission, being in his Word, and being silent. Yeah, that's absolutely great. I, I love when, when people are like, man, I just never hear God speak to me. I'm like, well, do you read the Bible? They're like, not really. And it's like, well, the Lord gave you 780,000 words in the Bible. Right. <laughs> like, start there if you haven't heard him yet, right? He wants to speak to us. And it's, if it's, um, if, if there's any hesitancy as to whether or not the Lord desires to speak to us, um, just, just let's, let's ask ourselves, well, why would he have given us the scriptures if he didn't right. want to? give us access to his voice. And why would he have come as the word of God? You know, that he, mm-hmm. he himself is the word, the spoken revelation of God. And, um, and so we're so blessed to have access to that. Um, mm. That's amazing. What, what's, um, I, I love how you said that one of the ways to evangelize is through testimony. And then you just gave a story of how you heard God's voice um, mm-hmm. uh, to, to cause for a transition for someone who has a really hard time getting into the silence um, and calming themselves down, uh, what what have you done to get to the point where like silence has become routine for you? Well, one of the things I, I, I really have to do, just to, in, in addition to hearing from Bob, but also to keep my peace, and, and um, people should take comfort in this, because I do a two-hour radio show every day, and, and I have to address the issues. I have to know what's happening in the world. But I also know that if I spend too much time listening to all the talk shows and constantly online looking at all the news sites, even though I have to basically do that to keep myself informed, that it does get to a point where it can disturb my peace. (laughs) First of all, the level of information is just too much. And then secondly, all the ugliness out there and all the attacks on Christianity and life and all the issues that we hold near and dear. So for me, what I do after the radio show is, you know, I look at my emails, talk to my producer, what are we doing? And then I take a break. And then I do what I have to do, do some other things, um, make sure that I've, I've read the scripture for the day. My husband's retired now, so we're trying to do some other things with scripture and, and do the consecration to St. Joseph. And just step away, step back and silence yourself, especially from the toxicity of social media. That's huge, especially yep. now, because it's just, it's out of control. Let's face it. It's just so ugly. Uh, and, and what I do now is I'm still on Facebook. I just use, just use it as an evangelization point where if I have a neat story or something to share or want to share a segment of my show, I'll put that up 
um, do something like that, but then then back away. So I, I try to do that every single day and not watch so much news um, at the end of the day. Uh, the election, it's important for me. Right? I had to know what was going on, so I had to consume a little bit more. But even that, after after the, even when things were still pretty crazy, I still backed away because even as someone who has to inform people, if I'm going to explain it accurately and be calm on the air and be able to speak truth to people, I have to have that time with God. I have to calm myself. <laughs> you have, have to be to rooted. Say, okay. Yeah. You know, I have to be rooted so, so the Lord will tell me how do I want to direct the conversation every single morning. So break away. I mean, there are statistics in my very first book, Noise, and I, I think I even talk about it in my latest book, Listening for God. The statistics show now that adults over 18 – if you look at all the media that we use, we spend about six to eight hours a day using technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, that's... I would like to say all those people are listening to us all the time, but that's not reality. <laughs> well, you know, it's... so think about what they're consuming. Yeah, know? yeah, and I think it, you, even you can listen to us too much sometimes too. Like that. Uh, yeah, and nothing, I even say that as, as good as, as Catholic radio is, we need to silence everything every yeah. once in a while. Yeah, that... just have complete peace. Exactly, and let God, mm-hmm. it, because I think sometimes it's not. Um, God wants to speak to us. He doesn't want us simply to to be an echo. Uh, that He wants us to hear directly from Him and share the the words He's speaking to us right. to others, as opposed to just, "Hey, I heard this person say this, and I heard this person say this." Like it wasn't that we're called to be the prophet's prophet. We're called to be a prophet ourselves, and that means that God wants to speak to us directly. And He's got a word for us to share with the world today that's necessary and needed. And He's got a word for us to share with our friends, our family, our community, our workplace that that we can only receive from Him. And if we just are always listening to other voices, we may miss out on the the voice Himself that's that wants to to give us His divine revelation as opposed to mm. our own. Um, that's so good. The so in your book, you kind of have a collection of other people's testimonies of how mm-hmm. they they heard God. Was is there one that just kind of like hits you the most of like, wow, like God is, or, or what kind of was, was you were putting together these collections of testimonies of hearing God's un, like unspeakable truth. Uh, I mean, uh, 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 unshakable truth. What, what stuck out to you the most? Well, what I love about this book and, and, and the stories that were coming in, uh, but that every, uh, that God speaks to everyone uniquely, uh, and, and he uses what your gifts are and your talents are, your likes are to get your attention. And he, when we say God speaks to us, some people may, may think, oh, are you talking about Moses, you know, going you know, to the top of the mountain, getting the Ten Commandments, coming back, the burning bush, all those dramatic things. Well, you know, that did happen. Those, those, that's real. But for most of us in this day and age, God is still speaking to us every day, and he uses uh, the tools of, of the earth, the things that he created. He uses people. He uses nature. Uh, for me, he's used scripture a lot, as I mentioned. He's also, he's also used music. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of different ways that he speaks to each person um, differently. It's just amazing because the people that I have in the book are very, some of them are very recognizable. Al Cresta is in there. Steve Ray is in there. He talks about how God spoke to him in a dream about doing his Footprints of God series. Joan Lewis from EW10, my friend Kelly Walquist, who has a beautiful ministry for women. A lot of people who are very recognizable, then some people who are um, just everyday Catholics who are very active in, in their own um, way. Some, some of them have a ministry. Some are, are, are just your lay Catholics who are doing the you know what God's calling them to do as, as an um, employee of a particular company or you know some some form of ministry. But each story is is just incredibly detailed. You know that scripture verse where every hair on our head is counted. If you read this book, you'll see 
that God used specific things and very unique circumstances to speak to people in a variety of ways. And, and I wanted different voices in there because I wanted people to see that no matter where you're at in your faith, God can come through to you, maybe through another person, again, maybe through a marquee on a church, maybe through a billboard you're seeing at a particular time when you, when you want to see it. That's how God speaks to us, in addition to what we might think are more traditional ways through Scripture, Eucharistic adoration, direct prayer. But sometimes, even if you're not really praying, if you're thinking about something that's weighing on your heart, that's another form of prayer, and God will speak to you. So the stories are, are very unique. Some are very serious in terms of crisis situations where God showed up and said, I'm here with you as bad as it is. Others are fun, lighter stories. Al Cresta's story is really sweet where he was debating getting back into music. He's very talented, very intelligent, but people also don't know that he's a talented musician and vocalist. Hmm. And he had put that aside for a while, and his kids wanted him to get back into it, so they bought him a guitar, and he was still debating, and there was a situation that developed where the same day he was going with them to buy this guitar, he bumped into a, a man who used to listen to him years ago on Protestant radio before he came back to the church, who started to talk to him about whatever happened to you and your music. You, you were so good. You have such a good voice. I remember when you had that band. I mean, he was still debating as to if he should do this, go back and start taking up the guitar again. And there was this person that he just bumps into who says, oh, yeah, doesn't talk to him about his books, doesn't talk to him about the great work he's doing on Catholic Radio, but brings up something from years ago about his music. So yeah. coincidences, I really call her godsidences. <laughs> I love that. I love also <clears throat> just that you witnessed the one story of uh, hearing God through a dream, right? That I think mm -hmm. some, sometimes people just need to have permission to know that God speaks that way. So like, mm -hmm. I bet when you said that, there's probably someone who's listening who was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know God could speak to me through dreams. And I've been having dreams and I've been questioning whether or not that's actually God or if that's just like, because I was thinking about something before bed. And, and, and we get in the spiral of, uh, doubt as opposed to a spiral of faith, right? And the Lord wants right. to just break us of doubt and just say, hey, Jesus, I trust in you. I trust that the, the, the you're guiding me and you, you speak through this variety of ways that are going to lead me to your will and your desires. And I know that it's right because it's true. It's authentic. It, it, it brings my soul peace and um, it resonates with me. Teresa, that's amazing. Yeah, I also think, too, that, that what God does is that when you, you have something, you have a hunch, let's say, and I really think that that's the Holy Spirit. You know, in secular language, I'd say a hunch. But let's say you are having a reoccurring dream about something that's on your heart. Then you, then you ask God about it. Just, just put it out there and say, Lord, if this is you, please show me. Yeah. Please give me direction. And if you're sincere in that, things will happen. Doors will open up. He'll affirm it or either show you, no, that's not what I meant. This is what I have in mind. In the dream story, it was Steve Ray who woke up in the middle of the night. This is shortly after he and his wife, Janet, came, back, came into the Catholic Church. And he had a dream that he was supposed to do a series uh, on salvation from Abraham to Augustine. It was going to be a video series. They were going to go all over the world. They were going to talk. About, and his wife is like delirious, half asleep. And he's, he <laughs> shakes her. He says, Janet, wake up, wake up. I have to do the series on the footprint of God, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, what are you talking about? We can barely take a picture with our cell phones. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> he sat down that night and, and the Holy Spirit gave him the whole series. And he's, wow. he's still doing it out, to, doing it today. So God does speak to us in dreams. He speaks to us in other people. He can sp even speak to us through many and big tragedies. There's a story in there called The Accident That Wasn't an Accident, and it's a pro-life story. I don't want to give it away. But what I love about this book is each story is different. Each person is different. 
And in each segment, the contributors, I had them pick a favorite saint, a quote from a saint, words of wisdom, their own words of wisdom, and also reflection questions. So you can use this as a personal study to grow closer to God. Amen. That's so good. And where can listeners find it if they are hungry to uh, hear God more? Yeah, it's really easy. They could just go to my website, teresatomio.com slash listening for God. So Teresa, without an H, T-E-R-E-S-A, T-O-M-E-O slash listening for God. That's awesome. Teresa, thank you so much for being yes, on the show today. thank you. Uh, you've been listening. Thank to- you, guys. Yeah, we're, we're blessed to have you. Um, we're going to take blessed a short be break. Here. You've been listening to Beyond Damascus, uh, where encounter meets mission. And when we come back, uh, Aaron and I will share some uh, great ways where, that you can grow in hearing God's voice. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. A very wonderful woman I knew had four children, and all four died. And somebody went up to her one day, and they said, Oh, what a pity. And she said, Oh, no, what a blessing. If we don't begin to look at everything with the eyes of Jesus, you will become helpless and hopeless. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. Unplanned, the true story of Abby Johnson. I would be the youngest director in Planned Parenthood history. She believed in a woman's right to choose. I've had an abortion myself, so I don't have any problem with another woman making the same decision. Until the day she saw something that changed everything. Tiny, perfect little baby. And then it was just gone. Now she's pulling back the curtain on the abortion industry. Unplanned. Available at EWTNRC.com and the EWTN app. Hello, and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Aaron, that was um, amazing. I'm just so excited by uh, Teresa's witness and the, yeah, the we're really opportunity. Yeah, to have her on. Yeah, and I think the book just kind of really clarifies, like, testimony unlocks uh, the door to what God wants to do in my life. And so when you hear the testimonies of others, it kind of shores up that, oh, okay, if God speaks to them in that way, it's not all that weird for God to speak to me in this way. Yeah, amen. And that builds confidence, it builds faith. And I think when we hear God's voice, we should do it with, like we should enter into a time of prayer with um, casting out doubt and, and casting in faith, right? Yeah. That we want to ask God that we would have faith. Maybe you could share a little bit of some of the ways that uh, we can hear yeah. God as we... You know, one of, the, one of the words that you shared, Dan, during that segment that I think was really valuable was that um, oftentimes it's just a matter of us giving God permission. Not that God needs our permission, but, you know, he does say in Revelation that he stands at the door and knocks. Mm-hmm. And we we do in in some way, we have we have the opportunity and the responsibility to actually be the one to open the door to our heart that he might speak. Yeah. And um, we, we kind of use this terminology here at Damascus a lot that oftentimes when we begin to do with intention, what we've often done by intuition or by accident, it's, it's then that we begin to see acceleration in our, in our, in our Christian life. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that's kind of the challenge that we have. And that's the challenge that I'd like to offer for our listeners today, even in these last few minutes today, how, how is it that God speaks? Well, like I said at the start of the show, it's it's through the ways that he's given us to speak with the world, to communicate with the yep. world. We're made in his image and likeness. What does that mean? That means that uh, how do I think about my daily life? Well, when I'm overwhelmed, when I when I need to, to refocus, to process information, I close my eyes. And what happens? Um, uh, 
experiences from my day begin to flash through my imagination, right? There's like this, there's this canvas in my mind yep. that I, that I'll, that I'll imagine or I'll, I'll play through scenarios on, right? Um, that uh, again, I'll close my eyes and, and I'll, I'll hear, I'll hear conversations replayed in my mind, right? Th- these, these are the tools that God actually gives us to communicate with the world. And when we give him back permission to use these tools, whether it's, whether it's my my visual imagination, whether it's through hearing, through my um, through my audible imagination, right? Whether it's um, through feeling the way that the way that my my body, my emotions react when I when I enter a space or when I um, when I when I begin conversation or relationship, or whether it's just like a deep intuition that those those things are all they're just they're they're ways that our senses are built to engage with the world, and they're way that they're ways that the Lord chooses to engage with us. Yeah, and he's going to engage specifically more readily, I think, with different people in different ways, right? So like, I think some people hear his voice very clearly, and God usually will speak to them in that way. Others see images or or have dreams and these images and these dreams are the the means by which God speaks and a lot or or sometimes a lot of people feel things very strongly and and to ask follow-up questions with God so if you start hearing something or if you see an image while you're praying and God shows you an image instead of saying like oh man that was a distraction maybe just ask the Lord what do you mean by that? Why am I seeing this? Or if you're feeling angry in a moment, say, God, why am I feeling, what are you trying to communicate to me through this feeling of anger that's stirring up? Or if you have this sense, uh, then ask him, like, what are you communicating right now? Yeah. And when you have that follow-up conversation with him and you start asking him more questions, you actually start to to realize, wow, God is actually, he's using these normal things to speak to yeah. me, just like other people use normal things to speak the, to me. The key that you mentioned earlier, Dan, is just having a, it's having a motivation of faith as opposed to a motivation of doubt, mm-hmm. right? So many times, you know, we're just, we're built to question. And I, I love, I love looking at, uh, I've got two little brief things. You know, when we look at um, the story of Samuel in the Old Testament, when he was little, little baby Samuel, and he heard God speak for the, presumably for the first time, he was lying in his bed, his, his master Eli was in the other room, Right. And Samuel doubted three times what he was hearing. Why? Because it sounded so familiar mm-hmm. to him. It sounded like his like his boss's voice. It sounded like the voice that he heard every single day that he played back in his mind yeah, when he, he was ran chastised. And asked if it was his boss, he's like, yeah. "Wait, Eli." <laughs> so um, don't be afraid that the voice of God might sound familiar. Mm-hmm. And then the other affirmation is that we were made for this. Amen. Right? I had a conversation with uh, with one of the um, religious sisters that is is just such a great supporter of our of our ministries here at, at Damascus, and um, we were kind of talking through this. How do I how do we defend this teaching? And she was like, "This teaching doesn't need defended. Uh-huh. This is this is fundamental to our Christian identity. Amen. We're made in the image and likeness of God, and He desires to speak to us. Thank you, Jesus. Bring yes. it, Lord. Do it again in our lives. Take this to prayer, friends. As we as we close today's show, thank you for joining us on Beyond Damascus, where encounter meets mission. Once again, Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. We are carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Download this uh, episode wherever podcasts are found to listen again, and uh, we'll check you again next week. Take this message home. Take it to prayer and ask God to speak to you, even as you seek Him today. 